0: IBC Talk, the Insurance Business Canada podcast.
1: This episode is presented in partnership with CNA Insurance. The setbacks to business activity that COVID-19 brought has motivated companies to reflect on how they can be better prepared when it comes to future risks. So what are the strategies that businesses can adopt to increase their chances of prospering during difficult times? To discuss this and more, we are joined by Severio Puccini, Vice President of Risk Control at CNA, and Matthew Adair, Risk Control Consultant at CNA.
0: Hi everyone, and welcome to IBC Talk, the Insurance Business Canada podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business, and in this episode, I'm joined by Severio Piccini. Vice President of Risk Control at CNA, and Matthew Adair, Risk Control Consultant at CNA. And together, we'll be talking about the strategic business resilience and how organizations can endure and thrive through adverse business conditions. Saverio, Matthew, welcome to IBC Talk.
2: Thank you for having me. Thanks very much.
0: So Saverio, I'm going to come to you first. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic arguably came as a A little bit of a surprise to the business world, I think it's fair to say. So with that in mind, how would you assess Canadian businesses' response to the crisis?
3: Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. Um, So I think the pandemic has certainly generated uh, a lot of uncertainty on many fronts. And there's, you know, many challenges that um, they've gone through, people have gone through, business have gone through, and that lie ahead for the business leaders. You know, um, overall, I've been impressed with how Canadian businesses quickly assessed and uh, adapted their day-to-day operations and uh, how they uh, manage their vulnerable supply chains um, the risk landscape for Canadian businesses you know changed really quickly in the wake of the covid crisis and you know it continues to evolve every day as we we, we hear and read in the newspapers and see on TV as we try to get back to some normalcy of, of business um, business leaders were you know forced to react to the Uh, early public health policies uh, 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 involving lockdowns uh, while also developing some proactive strategies to address um, the evolving risks to which some were prepared and many others uh, not so prepared. Um, For example, we're seeing many businesses increasingly today move to more domestic suppliers for raw materials uh, while increasing raw material and finished product overstock uh, on site. we're also seeing, you know, an increase in demand for uh, third-party warehousing, and third-party contractors to support uh, the overflow storage and excess production capacity. Um, one of the positive outcomes from the pandemic uh, I see is that we've observed an increase in strategic business resiliency in many areas, given how Canadian businesses adopted and, you know, endured to date uh, the impacts from the, the pen- pandemic.
0: That's good. I mean, it sounds like, you know, they've been doing a lot. Um, Matt, from your perspective, what did businesses do well? And where did some businesses or industries perhaps fail or, you know, fall or come up short?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe the majority of Canadian businesses were proactive and did a really good job of understanding key supply chain vulnerabilities, especially in industries like manufacturing, technology and life sciences. Uh, These industries may have global supply chains subject to significant natural hazard disruptions and high-tech or difficult-to-produce raw materials and components. In these cases, sourcing for key equipment, ingredients, and parts can be very challenging, and sometimes secondary suppliers simply don't exist. Consider, for example, uh, Bethan, a manufacturer with press brakes. They're common in industry and easily obtained locally versus an electric injection molding machine that was customized for their processes. You know, it's built overseas and has a 12-month lead time. When it comes to high-value machinery, the manufacturer may not be able to justify having redundancy because their volume of customers simply doesn't support it and the upfront costs are high. However they often don't consider the lead time to replace the machine and the customers they could potentially lose during a disruption, as well as the reduced wear and tear when production can be shared across various machines. As a direct result of the pandemic, you know, lead times for key equipment and components have been extended and businesses have been proactive and proactively planning uh, for these delays and finding solutions to manage customer demand and expectations. But conversely, on the other side, when the effects of the pandemic were felt, there were businesses that were unprepared for the impacts of business disruption. As nations and public health officials continue to battle the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the after effects on businesses in the years ahead is the change in how and where we work as a society. The reflection brought on by quarantine and the extended periods of remote work, it's likely spawned a significant increase in employee attrition in businesses across various industries, as well as the workforce shortages in many segments. For example, the healthcare industry is managing a chronic shortage of nurses throughout North America and in hospitals and aging services. So I, I really think that this pressure point is directly impacting patient care and putting more stress on the, the existing workforce which is also resulting in higher rates of burnout and staff loss. Uh, Employee staffing struggles can also impact processes like incident response and ultimately preparedness.
0: Mm -hmm. Lots and lots of impacts. Um, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but, you know, we're approaching almost two years, you know, since the start of the pandemic um, Mm -hmm. while we're getting there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, through that time, we have developed a better understanding of the risk landscape Um, You know, with that in mind, Severio, how can organizations now set themselves up for success, you know, going into 2022?
3: Right. Um, Great question. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic um, and recent uh, extreme weather events such as, you know, wildfires, hurricanes, floods and other cat events uh, across the globe have really, you know, highlighted the value of preparedness. Um, The supply chain challenges remain at the forefront. Uh, of small and large business owners today, Um, you know, business leaders who decrease inventories during the pandemic will continue to face considerable supply barriers as they compete to meet the spikes in demand for products and services um, in the coming weeks and years. Uh, Extended lead times, uh, delayed deliveries and increased freight costs. Um, We're seeing all of that and are expected to continue uh, due to bottlenecks at major cargo ports. Truck driver shortages, that's, that's been a, 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 a situation that's been going on for a number of years, not just uh, aggravated by the pandemic. And equipment shortages to which you know, we're seeing these exact scenarios playing out today. Um, I think you know, organizations can set themselves up for uh, success by taking a top-down, bottom-up approach. Um, starting from the corporate level, businesses can identify their exposures and program controls at each location site. Under their corporate umbrella, an exposure um, review at a site location could identify, for example, uh, that sourced materials, raw materials, are 100% dependent on a single supplier located out of the country. It could be prone to a natural hazard disruption um, that was mentioned earlier by Matt, such as flooding. Businesses should be asking themselves, how quickly can we find a new supplier? You know, are there any high-value, foreign, unique, or obsolete pieces of equipment that are used in production? That have long lead times to replace? Um, are there any regulatory requirements that need to be met prior to restoring the operation event the of a business disruption? Uh, secondly, I think, you know, understanding program controls to mitigate uh, specific location exposures is a vital next step. For example, are there any contingency plans in place, such as third-party outsourcing agreements, uh, redundant machinery and critical spare parts uh, maintained on-site or on an off-site location as backup. Um, diverse, multiple raw material supplier agreements, are they in place? And you know, a site incident response plan, and ideally a tactical business resiliency plan. Is that in place today? You know, business leaders continue to face challenges um, as organizations continue to evolve and innovate amidst emergency emerging risk landscape, a strong resilience framework with the incident crisis and continuity teams will ensure leadership leadership's prepared to make thoughtful and, um, you know, uh, thoughtful decisions in response to disruptions at local enterprise level. Uh, Business leaders that focus on preparedness, considering current and future challenges, and learning from every disruption. And, you know, working with their insurance brokers and carriers to develop uh, strategic risk transfer solutions uh, can help ensure that organizations are both financially and um, operationally resilient.
0: Mm-hmm. But building on that, dear, of a strong resilience and sort of risk management framework, um, Matt. You know, some of the some of the changes that businesses have made for the pandemic um, are going to stay, and and they might even linger for for many years to come. Um, so, what risk management strategies can businesses implement to ensure they're prepared to survive and thrive um, through future unexpected events? like COVID?
2: Yeah, that, that's a really good question, Bethan. Um, I mean, businesses certainly have had to make changes to the way they operate uh, during the pandemic and, you know, adapt to the new normal in a post-pandemic world. Um, that's why I think it's important, if not prudent, uh, that businesses develop and implement business resilience program. Um, I think this can be achieved by establishing or integrated management disciplines uh, to effectively respond and adapt to business disruption as they occur. Uh, Firstly, the risk management function uh, part of the framework typically considers current and emerging risks, working with appropriate business functions to implement mitigation plans to avoid an impact or a loss. So for example, uh, risk transfer strategies such as insurance and contract indemnification clauses uh, that can minimize the impact of a loss for a physical disruption. Uh, secondly, uh, the incident management function, which is responsible for implementing strategies and plans at each site where the organization operates so that they can reduce the impact or, of a loss. The key is to prepare a controlled response to quickly address life safety issues and enable local agencies to fix the problem. So for example, putting out a fire. Uh, Thirdly, business continuity management function, uh, which is in charge of developing strategies and plans to ensure business recovery teams have the resources needed to continue critical processes impacted by a disruption. This includes developing strategies for both internal production elements, such as workforce, equipment, facilities, materials, and technology, uh, plus supply chain elements, including suppliers, distributors, and customers. And the the last uh, piece of framework that I want to cover is the crisis management function, uh, which is authorized to essentially coordinate and issue all internal and external communications surrounding a disruptive event. Some insurance policies actually include coverages to support the use of PR firms, uh, which can be engaged at the time of disruption. You know, as a result of the pandemic, I believe Canadian businesses have a better understanding of the benefits of having a plan in place to essentially prepare, survive and even thrive through future unexpected events.
0: Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, I just want to build, uh, if you don't mind, Severio, on um, the insurance aspect, actually. So, you know, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, the pandemic has had major implications for commercial insurance. Uh, from your perspective, what are some key lessons that have been learned around that?
3: Yeah, you know, I think that the impact um, uh, of the pandemic on the commercial insurance industry has varied depending on the types of coverage and products offered to clients. Um, I think what, you know, when companies think about protecting property assets, such as buildings and equipment, one area that is often overlooked is the true replacement cost uh, of these assets uh, when a disaster strikes. You know, so equipment assets in particular are often treated as depreciating assets, but it is equally important for a business to, um, you know, understand true replacement cost and the impact. Of the marketplace factors and trends on those uh, estimates uh, when when considering property insurance coverages. You know, companies should also consider, you know, rising fuel prices, cargo container costs, um, uh, raw material shortages, and other supply chain disruptions. You know, for example, you know, the prices of the prices of of certain materials such as lumber, steel, uh, PVC, plastic, you know raw materials have all increased dramatically over the past 12 months um, with lumber prices increasing you know 42% year over year as of March 2021. Um, you know when considering these factors um, and inflationary pressures even recently appraised or updated valuations conducted pre-COVID-19 on buildings and equipment, stock um, and so forth are potentially insufficient in some cases.
0: Okay, so so businesses are perhaps going to have to be a little bit more strategic about you know their insurance purchase moving forwards. Um, Matt, how can they how can they do that? How can they implement strategic insurance to help them, you know, endure and thrive through adverse business conditions?
2: Yeah, another great question. Uh, I mean, insurance is vital. It's a vital component of an effective business resilience program and uh, for business operations. You know, uh, an established business resilience strategy for a company's operation um, should allow an organization to better design insurance coverages that directly support the successful implementation of an organization's response, recovery, and restart plans following a disruption. Uh, For example, business interruption coverage or BI coverage is an essential element to enable financial resilience. Uh, this coverage also provides the insured with the opportunity to maintain their financial trajectory and enable the insured to continue exp- paying expenses uh, through that period of restoration. Uh, another example uh, is equipment breakdown insurance, which can also provide coverage for physical damage, repair, or replacement and associate business income loss from mechanical and machinery breakdown based on the policy terms and conditions, of course. Um, You know, as the reliance on complex computer-based machinery and robotics expands, the need for contingency planning and insurance coverages also grows. So robust preventive maintenance and predictive maintenance uh, remain the first line of defense to ensure continuity of operation for critical machinery. Um, the development of continuity strategies and plans to provide for redundant machinery where possible, and providing for multiple skilled operators also helps minimize the impact of downtime.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, thank you, Matt. So, so one final topic that I'd like to touch on, um, which because it's just important in every business now, uh, is technology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Matt, how can businesses? make use of technology such as, you know, robotics, sort of automation, artificial intelligence, all these things um, to become more resilient and sort of, you know, stronger businesses moving forwards?
2: No, de- de- definitely. Um, I mean, technology advancements are transforming how businesses produce, manage, and govern in almost all industries. Um, I-, I believe that the result of this evolution has produce impactful innovation, including in robotics, uh, general automation, the internet of things, 3D printing, quantum computing, and many more. Uh, I mean, I, I anticipate that these advancements will exceed the scale of impact of previous industrial developments. And with that said, these advances will also spawn new vulnerabilities, unfortunately. Um, I mean, the, the energy network and computer systems required to operate, these developments are very susceptible to cyber attacks. They are also more sensitive to utility outages such as water, power, and internet, all of which are needed to maintain an efficient operating environment. And while uh, automation can increase efficiency and output to essentially manage costs, uh, skilled workforce requirements along with Extended replace and repair times following disruptions will definitely need to be incorporated into insurance coverages as well as business recovery and restart plans.
0: Mm -hmm. There's lots of, uh, (laughs) lots going on. Um, so Matt, Matt's very, thank you. Uh, I think that's a good place, uh, for us to finish this discussion today. Um, lots of helpful information there for our listeners and lots of things to think about as they prepare their businesses, uh, hopefully for a post-pandemic world fairly soon. Um, So thank you both very much for for coming on to IBC Talk.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you also to our listeners uh, for tuning in. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business. Please make sure you check the rest of our podcasts, IBTV episodes and daily news at www.insurancebusinessmag.com forward slash CA.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of IBC Talk. For more from Severio, Matthew, and the team at CNA, visit them at cnacanada.ca. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.